Welcome to the Grove Community Church Sermon Podcast. We're a faith community seeking to change lives, change our community, and change the world. And now to this week's message. We hope you enjoy it. I don't know about y'all, but the things that I have to pour out sometimes, they ain't sweet. The things that I have to pour out what did I do? Oh, sorry. Man, you interrupted me. Now I'm going to start over. Um, yeah, go ahead. Kids, go to uh, Greenhouse. Sorry. And youth. Y'all get out of here. Hey, youth, you should have done that on your own. I shouldn't have to tell you. See, not everything good I got to pour out on Christ's feet is good. Many of us don't have a lot of good things most of the time. And I've, in that song, it says it's sweet, right? It's poor, whatever it ain't. Because most of the time, I'm going to pour out doubt and fear, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pour out all these things that um, aren't good. And so we have to get to the point where we understand this. So we, get, we have a therapist come um, to, our, to the ransom, any of you don't know who I am, I run Ransom Ministries. We do uh, job training for people coming out of prison, addiction, and homelessness. So um, the things I'm about to talk about, I'm not that smart as Todd, and I ain't been to school as much as him, and I don't know much about theology and all that. I just know that Jesus has dealt the, me through the fire, and he showed me things, what not to do most of the time, but, but what to do sometimes when we have a vision. And so we have doubt, worry, and concern. That's what we normally pour out on the feet of Jesus instead of trust. That's what he wants. He just wants us to trust. You know, in that other song y'all sang, it said something about, um, about uh, you always work it out, right? I'm going to trust you always work it out. Well, I'm going to be honest and stand up here. I don't. Trust all the time that he's going to work it out. See, I could get up here all day and normally like through ransom, I'll tell you all the great things going on, but today I'm going to tell you some struggles. I'm going to tell you some things that we struggle with because that you need to know that's part of walking in the vision God has given you. And see, you can have a vision of being in ministry, you can have a vision of being in business, you can have a vision of being the greatest employee anybody could ever have. You could, be a, you could have a vision of being a farmer. It doesn't matter. It's what God calls you to do. Not everyone's called to be in full-time ministry, even though we are, wherever we are. It just so happens it's at your job. So this therapist, he comes in once a week. Yeah, I, lo- I love him. I don't care. I, I have mental problems, too, at times. Um, so we sat there and we listened to him and he t- we talked. And really it's just talking about your feelings, what's going on in your life. And he told me, he told us, that we spend 47% of our time in the past. 47% of the time worrying about the past. 43% of the time worrying about the future. And 10% of the time in the present. That's why most of the time we don't have nothing good to pour out on Christ. It's because we're spending more time worrying about what we didn't do 
or worrying about how we're going to do what we're going to do instead of just being present where you are and letting God lead you. I mean, that's me. I'm speaking to me. I'm not just speaking to y'all. Um, so you ask yourself questions. I remember getting into, when Tara and I got called into, uh, to do ransom, right? The only thing he gave us was a vision, and that vision was to liberate many from misery. That's what the word ransom means, to liberate many from misery. That was our vision. He didn't exactly tell us how. He didn't exactly give us a blueprint of where to do it. He just said, that's what I want you to do. And I asked, well, what if it don't work? How many of y'all got things and said, what if it don't work? Why didn't I, why, why didn't, what if I can't do it? Man, you can't do that. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard in my life. You're going to have a cafe where people don't pay. They're going to come in. They're going to eat off a menu at no prices. And that's what you're going to do for a living? That's the dumbest thing I ever heard in my life. That wasn't someone else telling me that. That was myself telling me that. We questioned. But here's what that same therapist told me. He said, you need to, you need to question those questions. So when I have a thought that, what if this don't work, then I ask myself, why won't it work? And he said almost 99% of the time, that voice will not answer you back. Because he's trying to put doubt in you. And that's the enemy trying to put doubt in you. So you ask those questions, so I'll ask, you know, well, what if it don't work? Doesn't matter. So I'm going to talk about Nehemiah today. I am going to talk about the Bible. Because I've been in Nehemiah since September or October. I can't get out of it. I've been trying to go to Matthew or Psalms or read my Proverbs or whatever, but he just says, no, I want you in this until you get it. I preached other messages on it, and every time it gives me something new. But if you all know who Nehemiah was, Nehemiah had a pretty killer job. He was the cupbearer for the king. We would think that'd be a bad job, but obviously the king trusted him because what he did was he tested everything to make sure it wasn't poisonous so it wouldn't kill the king. So he had a pretty high up. Well, then one day he was asking these people, hey, what about my hometown, man? What's going on around there? And they said, man, they are, they are in trouble. So you can put up, I'm going to read in, um, in uh, the first part. It says, during the month, and I can't say this word, it's a month. In 20, I told you I wasn't as good as Todd. I can't really say these words, so just read it and figure it out yourself. Um, in the 20th year, when I was in the fortress city of Sua, Susa, one of my brothers arrived with men from Judah, and I questioned him, asking about Jerusalem and the Jewish remnant had they returned from exile. The survivors of the province who returned from the exile are in great trouble and disgrace. And then we go into verse 4, where he says, When I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for a number of days. See, we think a number of days, because when, when God calls us to something, if it don't happen in two days, we're giving up. He did that for four months. 
He fasted, he prayed, he wept, he cried, he asked for opportunity for four months. Why do I know that? Because there's another crazy word in chapter 2, the month of Nisan, I think. And if you look at those two months, that's four months apart. So he, he sought God for four months. He planned. Because here's the deal. God, God called him to something. He knew right then, I got to go build that wall, man. I got to go build that wall. I got to go help build the wall around my hometown. Because back, you all understand, the walls back then were your protection from the enemy. And they were a disgrace. But you know what was funny? Is those walls had been destroyed 150 years earlier. You think he was the first person to try it? Everybody gave up. Everybody got discouraged. Everybody had doubt. Everybody had fear. So they laid in ruins for 150 years until this dude named Nehemiah, who had a cushy job, who could have stayed right there and done what he wanted. You know, he was probably making good money. He had a great place to stay. He had all these things. Yet he knew right then God was calling him to go rebuild the walls. He didn't know how. He didn't know when he was going to go. He didn't know where he was going to get the money to do it. He didn't know any of those things. All he knew, he had to help them. So if you go on in that same, that there, it says he prayed through all these things. And what I thought was very odd is that when he repented and asked for forgiveness, he didn't ask for forgiveness for them. He asked forgiveness for us because we are all in this together. So when we see people hurting and we see things going on in our world, we need to ask for forgiveness for ourselves as well as praying against all these other people that we think are at fault. All of us are at fault. Every one of us. If we are children of God, we are all at fault. So he saw that. This thing's like dropping. Yeah. I thought I was getting further away. I was like, whoa, that's weird. I'm getting taller or that thing's getting shorter. Um, so he prayed all through this stuff and then he just started planning. Because how many of y'all know that here's, here's where a vision gets lost? Somewhere, hold on, I gotta look at my note because I don't want to misquote this thing. But um, they get lost somewhere between what and how. See, he knew what. He was going to build a wall. But for four months, nothing happened. Four months, nothing happened. He didn't know know how, but he just kept praying. He just kept doing, he kept being the cupbearer. And then one day, he comes in to the king, and he's sad. See, we read those chapters, and we think, boom, 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 that happened. As soon as he found out, he was before him, he was sad, all this. No, it was four months of praying and fasting and seeking the Lord and doing the thing. See, we give up after four days because we don't get the answer we want. He wasn't getting the answer. He just knew the vision was there, and he was building, so he planned for opportunity. My words this year, you know, Todd always has us get words, are are opportunity and favor. See, he needed opportunity, and then he needed favor. And if you've read Nehemiah, he walks in, He's sad, which if you want to know the history, you did not go before the king sad. Otherwise, he would kill you. You would die if you were sad. 
But he knew he couldn't fake it. So he was sad, and he knew he had a 50-50 chance of getting favor or dead. But see, how he got favor was he shared his heart. He was truthful. He didn't say, oh, nothing. If he'd have done that, he definitely would have been dead. But he goes on and says, well, why shouldn't I be sad? Man, my family, my, my home country, everything is in rubbles, and they're all surrounded, and the enemy's after him and all that. You understand this was a pagan god. I mean, a pagan king, not a god. Pagan king. He was a pagan. He actually helped destroy the walls. His people destroyed the walls of this place that Nehemiah wanted to go rebuild. And he let him. Not only did he let him, he paid for it. He gave him the supplies. He gave him free pass. He gave him the resources, everything to get what he wanted. And he left. See, opportunity, favor. But see, he still didn't know how he was going to do it. Because he had, now he had a way to get there and he had the resources but one man to rebuild the walls of a city? That'd be impossible. But did it keep him from going? Nope. He went anyway. Because he knew the vision God gave him to rebuild the walls. I'll figure out how. You just do what I ask you to do. See, many times in business or whatever it might be, things struggle. I'll tell you, the first few years in Ransom, I wanted to quit every day. Tara and I would sit at home and, what the heck are we doing? We ain't making one bit of difference. Our family's struggling. Can't pay our bills. But we knew God gave us a vision. Liberate many from misery. We didn't know how. We just knew he called us. And it sucked. I'll be honest, it sucked. And there's so many days where I said, I quit every day pretty much. I'll tell you a real quick story though, because this is how God works. I don't know if I've told this story here, but if you have heard it so well, I'm going to tell you again. Y'all read the Bible over and over, and there's stories in there. Um, so I was sitting at, um, at the, we had the cafes right back then. So I was at the cafe. And it was the end of the day, and uh, we had no money. Back then, we would take the money out of the box and actually buy the food for the next day. That's how tight it was. So I'm sitting there, and, and I see this guy ride up on a bicycle with um, a backpack. And I'm thinking, I ain't got time for this. I want to go home. So he knocks on the window, and I'm like, can I help you? Just like that. And he says, is this Ransom Cafe? I said, yeah. He said, hold on a minute. So he goes over in his backpack and he pulls out this piece of paper and he writes on the side of it and he hands it to me. It's $206 money order. He said, God told me to come bring this to you. Well, earlier in the day, I'd been praying with a friend of mine and I said, dude, I can't do this no more. And he said, let me pray for you. See, that's a friend. See, we, we have a lot of friends out there who say, dude, you need to quit, man. You need to get out. This is the dumbest thing I ever heard seeing you do. Just go. But he did, and he goes, let me pray for you. 
And he prayed that day that God would send people from the streets to bring us money. And he did it. And I could share story after story of those times where I wanted to give up and God just said, keep going, man. I got this, dude. I got it. And that's how Nehemiah, I bet, was when he walked in and he saw the rubble. It's like, dude, I can't do this. We don't ever hear about that in there. But I guarantee he had those thoughts because he was human. He's saying, dude, this is way too big for me. So what did he do? Start praying. Because his God was bigger than all that. Somebody out here right now has an idea. That they're too scared to go forward with it. I don't know if it's a business idea. I don't know if it's a ministry idea. I don't know if it's an idea for your family. But someone has an idea. But they're too scared because they're spending up 47% in the past because you failed before. Or they're spending the 43% in the future. I'm like, what am I going to do, man? I can't quit my job and just start some nonprofit called Ransom Ministries. I can't do that. It's stupid. So we spend more time in those other places. And I, I'm asking you to spend time in the 10. Just keep spending time in that 10. And he's going to show you. Because I think Nehemiah, when he was standing before all that rubble, he was present. And he said, you know what? No, God called me to rebuild this wall. He's going to do it. And so he got individuals to help him, right? Individual areas. And as he did it, everybody come against him. Naysayers. Standing behind him. Um, the dude, Sanibel, he's like, man, you ain't never going to be able to do that. That's stupid, man. You ain't going to make that. And he just kept going, kept going, kept going, kept going. In the end, he's doing it with one arm because he's having to hold a sword in the other one to fight off the enemy. But he kept doing it, and he rebuilt that wall in 52 days. Unheard of. 52 days, which is awesome because 52 is my favorite number. Five and two is seven, and anyway, whatever. I've, I've loved 52. Even when I was lost and not loving Jesus, 52 was there all the time. But when I read that, I was like, 52. Five plus two is seven. And he did it in 52 days. See, the thing is, as many visions, again, and dreams die between what and how. We give up before we know how. We know the what. We just give up before the how. See, many had tried again, 150 years. You know he wasn't the only one that tried to rebuild them walls. But this dude from all the way across the country, he comes across and he leaves a very awesome, lucrative job that got him everything he wanted and he came to rebuild a stinking wall. Someone said he, became, he went from bartender to builder. Because that's really what he was. He was the wine bearer. But he had it so... He was so driven. See, the vision never changes, but the plan might. I had to get, o I had to get over that for a long time because I had a vision of, of doing this, of, of liberating many from misery, and at first it was a cafe, right? Feed people. Man, I was good at that. I knew all about feeding. I had restaurants. I would worked in restaurants. I could do that. But then he says, now... I want you to go homeless and learn what that's like. 
So I do that for four days. Build a shower trailer. All right, we build that. We go take it around, let people take showers, do laundry. Then he says, now I want, to put, I want you to put them people to work. And I want you to start training them in soft skills. I want you to try training them in how to be a good employee. Then he says, now I want you to recycle electronics. I said, what? Electronics? What in the world is that? I don't know nothing about it. I literally had never opened a computer in my life. I still don't know really what's all in it. I just know you tear it apart and throw it in a box and I sell it. That's all I know. But see, the plan changed, but the vision never did. Because we still are liberating many from misery. Just in a different way. See, he went there to build that wall. And he had an idea how he was going to do that, I'm sure. But I guarantee one of them wasn't doing it with one arm with a sword in his hand. He had to change the plan. He could have gave up. When that plan changed, dude, I ain't doing that. I ain't building that wall with one hand and a sword in my hand. I'm not going to be able to do that. Did he do that? No. He just kept building. Just kept building. And rebuilt it in 52 days. So one of my, one of my things that I've really trying to do, and Terry will tell you I don't do it, um, is live in the tent. I'm really trying to live in the tent. Actually, there's some days that I live in the five minutes. Someone says, hey, how you doing today? I don't know. I'm taking it a minute at a time. And if it's a good day, I'm taking it five minutes at a time. Because here's the deal. If I screw up in that five minutes, the next five minutes I can do better. If I do good in that five minutes, I'll probably screw up in the next five minutes. But if I put it in shorter pieces and not really think so much of myself or think that I can do it, it makes it a whole lot better. But Nehemiah is a hero, man. He's mine. Because if you look at him and Jesus' life, they're almost parallel. Jesus came to this earth with a vision to set us free. And everybody tried to get in the way. Everybody tried to change him. Everybody tried to do all kinds, everything. Yet he stayed true to the vision. And he hung on that cross, and he rose from the dead, and he did that because he stayed true. Why can't we? See, I tell all, my, all our volunteers, if you're going to do something, and you say you're going to do it, then I need you to do it. Because our people that we serve have been let down their whole life. And if you come in and say, oh yeah, I'm going to be a coach, I'm going to do all this, I'm going to tell you right, being a coach is hard. Coaching these guys and ladies is hard. Because they ain't going to do what you want them to do. See, that's the thing about ministries in, in a whole. We get in there and we want to we want to do this and they don't act the way we want them to act, so then we just cut out the program. I'm going to tell you right now, they are not going to act the way you want them to. They're not. They're going to backslide. They're going to use drugs. They're going to drink. They're going to go out and do crime. They're going to do all those things, even though you're telling them not to. Sounds like our kids. But in the end, they'll learn, and all they're looking for 
is relationship. See, they're testing you. Sounds like our kids. They want to see if you truly love them like you said. Because here's the deal, you know, we have this, we're singing about, Lord, how we love you and we love all that stuff, but our love is conditional, man. The love he's talking about, it don't matter what you do to me. It don't matter what you believe. It don't matter any of those things. What matters is that love is unconditional. I'm going to be here whether you get thrown back in jail again or not. I'm going to be here whether or not you smoke pot again or not, whether you snort coke again or not. I'm going to be here. I, I, won't, I won't like it, but I'm going to be here. That's why I tell coaches, see, that's the problem, is that we get this vision, we get this drawing, and it ain't what we thought it was, and we quit. You see it all the time. I see it in churches. I see it in businesses. Just stay with it. Someone needs some encouragement today that wants to quit. Because you've been trying, and it ain't working how you thought it would. Well, let me give you some peace. It ain't gonna. It ain't gonna work the way you think. You can plan all you want. The vision will never change, but the plan might. The vision will never change, but the plan might. But don't stop planning. Because here's what I, who, who you think God's gonna go give a vision to? The dreamer? Or the planner. I have so many folders on my computer of things that I think God told me to do because not all good ideas are good. And not all ideas are visions. But anytime I have an idea, I put it down and I try to figure out how to do it. So like I, if someone gave me a house today, any of y'all have a house, I would take it and I would know exactly what to do because I have a, a manual on a housing project to put people in housing. I have the, the application to get into it already drawn up, sitting in a folder for when that happens. Opportunity, favor. Because see, an opportunity, if you ain't playing, is a missed opportunity. You should always be ready for when that opportunity comes. And I don't know why God wanted me to bring this message today, but he didn't give it to me until like right before I come up here. I don't, I, if, I, if I sit and study, that's what kills me sometimes, these pastors. Man, I spent all week studying on this scripture. And I'm like, dude, if I did that, I would totally screw it up. Because then I would think I was good at it. And it has nothing to do with me because I want him to do it. And I was almost sick to my stomach wondering what I was going to bring. I just knew it was Nehemiah. Of course, because I've been in it since October. That's all I really know. I don't really know anything else. And that's what he's been showing me. But what I want you to get, hopefully, out of this is to live again in the tent. If you don't get anything else out of this, live in the tent. God's operating in the present. He's operating in your present right now. He doesn't hold your past against you. He knows the future, but you don't. So quit trying to worry about it. Don't worry so much about what's going to happen, how am I going to do this, or all those things. That's future telling, and that's not you. Otherwise, you'd be rich, and you would have bet on the Super Bowl and won a whole lot of money or whatever. I don't, I don't know, but I know you can't tell the future. Only he can. And you know what? He loves you so much. I don't think he's just going to 
lead you in a direction and go, ha, I was just kidding. Just stay in the moment where he's got you. And whatever you've done in the past, that's the past. It don't matter. God, if, if, I, if I got held against me, everything I did in the past, I would never do anything. I would never, I would never get anything done. I mean, I'd still be back in second grade where I couldn't pass certain tests. I mean, but you know what? I ended up getting through them. So take from today Nehemiah's example. Take your vision, pray over it, fast over it, and weep over it for however long that takes. I'm going to tell you all one more story real quick before I go. I know, oh, I got, man, I'm way ahead of schedule. What did I do? Y'all want to talk about something else? We could do a circle time like I do at, at the shop where I just throw a word out there and y'all just tell me what it means to you. Um, um, but I'll tell you one more story. So some of you have heard about my, um, my kids. I have, I have three other daughters besides Abby and um, Mary Page from my first marriage. Um, I hadn't seen them in a long time. I won't get into no details of why and all that kind of stuff, but I think I shared it here one time where, did I share with y'all that they, I back, they, one of them came back in my life and text them? Well, it's funny because every time I think about, I, I use this word one day. God gave me this one day. That's all I put behind everything. One day, one day, they're going to come back. One day, he's going to reconcile all of us. One day, one day, one day. And then my daughter, my middle daughter, the one that I've been kind of texting with off and on, she disappears for months at a time and don't really talk to me, but that's okay. Um, I do that to God all the time. Um, so she sends me this song that she did. She's an awesome singer. And the, the name of it is One Day. Isn't that cool? That's just how God works, man. It's called One Day. And it's beautiful. Y'all go ahead and get it on um, iTunes or whatever it is. But one day, it's phenomenal. She also has sweatshirts if y'all want to buy one of those. Um, <laughs> she, probably, she probably needs the money. Um, but, but why I share that is that, you know, I, I waited many years and, pri- and cried and prayed for her for many years. If I'd have gave up, I never would have seen that. I don't know again what y'all are struggling with, but just don't, don't give up. Just keep striving forward. Keep trusting God. Even on the days you don't trust Him, tell Him. I don't get this. And God will see you through the vision that He's given you. We hope you found this week's message meaningful and impactful. And as always, don't just hear it, but put it into practice. Until next time, have a good one.